Hello everybody and welcome to my new podcast, Ethics in Equine. My name is Sky Morrow and I have grown up around horses. My mum is a riding instructor and she used to own her own riding school. So I have been riding, loving horses, grooming them and just growing up around them since before I can even remember. I will always love them and they will always hold a really, really special place in my heart, which is why this topic is so important to me. I, like everybody else, am guilty of sometimes being not very ethically correct through no fault of my own or through no fault of anybody else's. I'm just ignorant to different ways of doing things, which is why I wanted to start this podcast. I wanted to talk to professionals about how we can all learn to treat our horses better, how we can educate ourselves, how we can challenge ourselves to be more ethically correct, and how we can just do better for our horses. They do us such a favour by allowing us to ride them, to love them, to be around them, and we need to repay them by treating them in the best possible way. And that is exactly what this podcast is for. So I really hope that you enjoy it, and I really hope that you can take something positive away from this, and to challenge yourselves to be more ethically correct, just as I will from now on. So enjoy everybody, and today I am here with Nikki Bernard. Hi, I'm Nikki Bernard. Um, I'm a riding instructor. I also do um, groundwork and I like to teach a bit of groundwork um, and try and be as sort of ethical in my training as possible. Amazing. So can you tell us what groundwork is in your opinion? Okay, um, I think groundwork covers many things. Um, it's mostly what anything that you do from the ground when you're with your horse. Um, but it covers a, a wide range of things, I guess like natural horsemanship, um, Pirelli, classical dressage, clicker training, um, Liberty. It can cover anything really that you do with your horse from the ground. Okay, so um, when I researched it, according to Horse and Hound, groundwork can include any sort of training you might undertake with your horse, from the ground rather than under saddle. It includes handwork, lunging, long reining, as well as techniques like liberty training and horse agility. So does that sound? Yes, that does sound totally right. Okay, so what would you say are the benefits? Like why should I do groundwork with my horse? Um, the benefits of groundwork are really are having a better communication with your horse. Um, being able to develop a language with your horse that your horse understands very easily and is very clear. Um, obviously, the obvious benefits like um, you know having um, a better a horse, having a better respect for you and your and your safety, um, and also you know to begin to train your horse in a really ethical way. Um, also, it can be used to help your horse become balanced and to know how to use its body best and where to carry its weight, where the horse needs to carry its weight in its body, especially when your, your horse may have an injury. Um, and also when you're training your horse, um, it, it kind of helps the horse understand what we're doing. Um, also um, rehabilitation, groundwork is great for re rehabilitation. Um, it gives you a variety in your um, in your work with your horse. 
Um, also teaching your horse about ridden aids. So I like to teach all ridden aids from the floor first. And it's surprising how um, amount, the amount of horses that have not been taught um, correctly ridden aids um, and how this process has been rushed in their breaking in um, process. So it's really good to take horses back to groundwork so that they truly really understand. Um, yeah, so I think that kind of covers quite a lot of things really. Okay, so it's a good way to like build bond with your horse from, right. from the ground and to help it to understand what you ask because they don't speak our language do they so it's quite important for them to know what we're asking uh, exactly and you know horses communicate with each other um, and you know the understanding of horse communication has come on a lot and you know we need to understand how a horse communicates so we know how to communicate with our horse Okay. In a very clear and concise way. Amazing. So um, here I've got equitation scientists, veterinarians and trainers agree with all of what you've just said. Um, apparently they say, here lies the foundation for strong relationships, safe habits and good learning. Groundwork stimulates the horse's brain to increase its problem in solving abilities. So, wow, groundwork is a really good way to start with your horse and build a bond with your horse and help safety, personal space, and get it ready for being ridden and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, and also, you know, to continue with your horse's training. So it's used at the beginning when you're first um, training a horse, when it hasn't been ridden, but it needs to continue as the horse grows up. And, you know, it can take you right up to classical dressage um, where you are teaching, um, you know, really high up things for your horse and lateral work and um you know high school dressage movements so it can it can take you groundwork can really take you anywhere you want it to go amazing it sounds like it's something that everybody should be doing more yeah and i think so people are not doing enough considering how many benefits it has it just yeah. seems like the logical thing to do with yeah. your horse so why would you say, as I've just kind of said, people aren't doing it enough? Why do you think that is? Why is it overlooked so much? Um, I think there is a lack of understanding about the importance of groundwork. Um, and I think traditionally, we didn't all have an understanding about how it can benefit what we're doing in our work with our horse. Um, and I think, you know, that has led to a lot of problems. So I think that um, people haven't thought about groundwork particularly and have accidentally untrained their horses, particularly on the ground, and then wonder why horses have problem behaviours. And, um, you know, somebody once said to me, if you're, if you're with your horse and you're not training it, you are untraining it. Oh, okay. uh, that's yeah. an interesting way of looking and at I it. And I think that is very true, you know. Um, and we can very accidentally untrain our horse yeah. in so many ways. And all of a sudden there's a problem. So it is really important. I think it has been very, very badly overlooked. Um, yeah, so if I'm leading and I let my horse get in front of me and barge me out of the way, 
I'm kind of training it that that's what it's supposed to do that's if right. I don't instantly get it back to doing what it's supposed to be doing. Exactly. And every every little tiny push or false move has, you know, said to your horse, oh yeah, it's okay to do that. Or maybe you as the trainer are not in charge. And, and in a way, horses need to feel like you are the leader. And if you become not the leader, even in little ways, um, horses begin to feel unsafe. Um, you know, also, um, I think there's been a misunderstanding that horses are naughty. And generally horses aren't naughty. They're just misunderstood. Yeah. And um, I think that has been a problem in, uh, in you know, in the horse handling. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> um, so a few interesting points that were made on a horse and hound forum. Um, I'd like to get your opinion about them because I read them and I thought they were all very interesting to read. So many people are saying that they agree that groundwork is important, however they say it has been practiced and has only recently become commercialised. And according to them, I do groundwork with my two-year-old, but you could equally call it basic handling or general training. I think it's just an all-encompassing term for non-ridden training, which I agree has probably grown out of the NH movement. So do you agree that it's just basic handling? Um, I think, it. you know, the word groundwork can co can cover a lot of things and it's not just basic training um, and you know obviously basic basic training and common sense with your um, youngster is brilliant and that's great but you know it covers a lot more things and just to think that you only do groundwork with a baby horse is um, you know not, not, not what I think at all. Um, and you know, even people with, as I say, high school dressage horses, all the all the people in the Spanish riding school, you know, they are doing groundwork with their horses, yeah. doing a capriole or you know, doing a beautiful half pass from the ground. So it's not really just what you do with a baby horse, and it's not just all to do with. Um, the natural horsemanship people so obviously you have natural horsemanship and that's fantastic and lovely but also it can take you in many other directions as well right yeah. so people nowadays they're more they're knowing what it is but they're not knowing the spectrum of the how spectrum. far it can take that's right yeah can take them and they're kind of overlooking how far yeah that's right okay um another one is Groundwork is the education of a horse before it is ridden. It's very traditional and precedes any sort of BHS stuff. Would you like agree with that? That it's not going along in the traditional BHS way? Is the BHS needing to be like updated and it's sort of um, yes, I th I think so. And I mean, the BHS don't really touch on much on groundwork and on how horses learn and you know this is a big thing now and I think they do really need to catch up with um, you know the rest of the horse industry in that way and there's a lot of people that are wanting to better understand their horses and work in a really ethical way and you know with how horses learn so yes I would say that the BHS do need to catch up really 
everyone, I just wanted to take a quick little break here just to tell you all that I do have Instagram, Ethics and Equine, so please DM me your personal stories and I would love to feature them in some upcoming episodes. We all want it. We all want to work ethically. Yes. And anyone, any real horsey person wants to understand their horse and work ethically with it and brand work is a good way to start so yes bhs catch up yeah i've um through doing all this kind of research it's the horse world is very like traditional in their ways and they're only recently starting to go along the why is the horse doing this kind of kind of way and even the stuff like hunting and all of that sort of thing they seem to not want to like move with the times they Mm. seem to think oh because i've had this tradition for the last hundred years Mm. this is just the way it's going to be forever Mm. but as everything changes in the world so does the horses and the science behind it and why we do it so yeah i think everybody does need to catch up and move along and move forward and start realizing that there's different ways to look at things and that there's reasons that the horse is doing what it's doing that's right, and I think that um, unfortunately the horse industry is one of those industries which is very based in tradition. But I think it is changing, and I yeah. I, I really feel like you know it's changing for the better. Yeah, I hope so. Mm-hmm. I hope we continue to change it for the better. And kind of on that note, how important would you say the communication and connection is through groundwork with your horse? Um, it's really, really important, and um, we can really get to know our horses by doing groundwork um, and get a better connection with them and understand who they are individually. Um, so, yeah, it's re- connection is really important, and everything you can learn about your horse and being able to communicate with it, it is for the best and important, obviously. Yeah, so... Um... A PhD certified person called Robin Foster said that their broadly placed eyes and innate ability to pick up discrete signals are fundamental to their relationships and communication. They want to see us, they want to make eye contact, and they can't do us. They can't do that when we're sitting on their backs. Would you agree with that? That the horse wants to see us and wants definitely, to connect? Definitely. And, 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 and when you're around horses, you can see that they want to connect with you. And horses are very often trying to tell you something so, and you have to be able to watch them to see that. Um, and you can really get a deep level of understanding with your horse on the ground. Um, so yes, I do. I do think that. And they, if you see how horses work in the wild and as a herd, you can see how they communicate with each other with subtle gestures and movements. Um, So it's really worth having a good study of that. And there's some really amazing books actually on the market um, on how horses communicate with each other. Really, really good books. So they're really worth reading. Yeah, so like whether we notice it or not, horses are always reading our movements. We're always communicating with them whether we intend to or not so we've got to make sure that we're communicating with them in the way that we want them to receive the messages that we're sending and also I think it's really important when you're working with your horse that you notice how you feel in your body and you know if you have anxiety or 
anger or your energy is just really high. Some horses just won't cope with that. And you know, horses are a great mirror. And you can begin to um, understand how to calm yourself and lower your energy and be aware of how you feel inside and how you are um, perceived by your horse. And you know, that that's got to be good. Yeah. Um, Leslie Horson, who is an, an animal biomechanical medical practitioner, he said something similar. He said, with good communication on the ground, we can connect with the horse, have a sort of body language dialogue in which we understand each other. That's right. It's really, and, and I think, you know, there's um, a lot of um, people that have been doing this for a lot, a lot longer than we have yeah. here in this country. Um, you know, a lot of the sort of other cultures... And not all of them, but a lot of other cultures have had a better understanding of horse behaviour. And we're just catching on really at this. So. Okay. Um, Andy Booth, who is another science-based trainer, says the relationship people seek isn't likely to be found on the horse's back, but on the ground. Um, the relationships I have with my horses come almost entirely from groundwork. So would you say that people think that they have a really amazing connection with their horse, even though they don't? do groundwork and that the connection would be better if they if they did do groundwork? Um, I, I mean, it's difficult for me to say what, what other people think about their connection with their horse, but what I know about working with horses is that when you're coming to ridden work, if you can have a connection with your horse on the ground and teach it uh, the ridden aids from the ground first, your horse has got a much better chance of understanding and you've got a much better chance of being very clear. And I think that if you can, if you can't walk your horse quietly, stop stopping, going, parking and doing everything from the ground, then you don't really have any chance of being able to do it correctly in the saddle. No, that makes perfect sense. Because you'd you'd want your horse to know what you mean and to respect you from the ground, so that when you're on its back, which is in which is basically an unsafe place to be on an animal's Can back, <laughs> you want it to respect you and know what you're asking and not be confused and then get angry at the horse because they don't know the signals you're sending. That's it. right, and and confusion is a and it is quite a massive part of this we don't ever want our horse to be confused we want to be very 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 clear um with our aids and so that's where groundwork i think really is helpful yeah so how true is the statement in terms of what groundwork helps to teach more safety less fear do you think it definitely helps us to be more safe on the ground and to get our horses to be less fearful of what happens in the world? Can we like help them to not stress out about certain situations by doing groundwork? Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, you know, you can become the leader of your horse um, from the ground, probably a little bit easier maybe than you can on its back. Yeah, okay. Um, and... I think I think that is very true. It's a very true comment. Um, yeah, I think obviously we always want less fear and less. If you become your horse's leader from the ground, I think then it will be less fearful. Yeah, 
And if we desensitise them from the ground to things that you're likely to experience, like a flapping coat or an umbrella coming up, then when you're riding it, you're less likely to be in a scary situation. Because yes. your horse will be like, oh, okay, I've learned how to deal with that. I might still be yeah. scared, but I don't need to panic. Yeah, yeah. I think it's all about becoming a leader and where, where you're best able to, you know, be that leader for your horse. So, okay. So getting them used to these scary objects before on their back just makes good safety yeah. sense, really. Yeah, and, you know, people do things like horse agility, um, and uh, you know, which is great for desensitising your horse, and it's fun. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you can enjoy that. That's great. Yeah. So is it, in terms of groundwork, is it important to train the human? Like, you can't train a horse in groundwork unless you've been trained yourself in groundwork. That's right. And I think it's, in a way, it's like riding. Um, you don't get on a horse and think, oh, yeah, I've had one lesson and now I can ride. You continue to have lessons. Yeah. So you do need to be trained with groundwork what you're doing and why you're doing it because as with riding it is easy to make a mistake and um, you want to be really clear and consistent and do it well and properly and I'd say you know to do groundwork well whichever route you take it's best to, ha to be to have a professional trainer to yeah. train you or you could um, for instance, use a step-by-step -step guide online, but make sure that you start at the beginning and that you get the steps really correct. Um, and don't miss any steps. So just like you wouldn't try and jump your horse unless you could do rising trot first. Yeah. Um, it, you must do it properly, step-by-step. And it is always best to have a trainer to train you to train you to do it. Yeah, so just jumping in and assuming that because you've watched one tutorial you can do groundwork. Yeah. <laughs> in many ways you're just doing less groundwork and yeah. detraining your horse. Yeah, you can really you can really easily make a mistake or untrain your horse. Um, so it's best to get a professional to help you. Um, or, you know, just follow some easy, very easy steps. Okay. Perfect. So, kind of following along with that, yeah. um, some groundwork exercises. Again, you know, it's important to make sure that you have the steps first and yeah. that you have a trainer and that you don't just jump in head first and assume you know what you're doing. But you'll need a rope head collar, a lunge whip, and a nice level area to work your horse. Is that right? Um, yeah, I mean, you don't need a ropey head collar. You could have a normal one. Um, some people use schooling whip. People use other tools. And, and, you know, a whip is not in a traditional sense what we might think of that a whip is for. A whip is just an extension of your arm okay. so that you can touch the horse with it, never used for hitting your horse. Um, and some people um, use a carrot stick, which is like a, a, a orange stick with a rope on the end. Kind of looks like a whip, but it's not. But and I think people use that because um, a whip has kind of bad connotations in yeah. history. So you know, um, obviously you need a rope if you're doing groundwork in a head collar, um, or you can use a bridle if you're teaching ridden aids or a cavison. 
Um, and you don't even have to have a level area, you know, you can, sometimes I've had to do groundwork on a yard, um, sometimes I've done groundwork on a lane, sometimes I've done it in a hilly field. You just do it where you can, yeah, where you need to, where you can, where you, the space that you have will be fine. One way or another, you know, it will be fine and you have to sometimes make it fine. Yeah, okay. So the whip isn't used to kind of force No, never to used do. for force. <laughs> it's just there to encourage and to be an extension of you. An extension of your arm. So, you know, horses, often learned by pressure and release so um your whip as i say is used an extension as your arm of your arm not as not as a, a whipping tool so as i have previously mentioned please can you send me any stories that, that you have on instagram dm me ethics and equine because i would love to feature them in upcoming episodes but for today's episode i have a personal story from a lady in Brighton called Bonnie. And this is what she has to say. I'm from Brighton and I've been around horses my whole life. I've always loved working with them. I remember this one time I was leading a horse in from the field and he was being quite bolshy and he was just constantly trying to rush off because he was used to walking quite fast and he liked to pull people. I had to keep stopping him and making him like not overtake me. And I would just look at him and we would just stand still until he was ready to walk politely. And I needed to remind him to respect my boundaries and respect me as the leader or I knew he'd get unmanageable. Um, I kept stopping him and like if the stopping wasn't working I'd circle him around me because not letting me shove me, not letting him shove me or walk ahead was really important. It was frustrating but necessary and I got him walking nicely in the end even if it took quite a while to get him where I wanted him to go. Thank you so much to Bonnie from Brighton for sending that in. It was a really interesting story and I love that in the end you got the horse to walk really well next to you and that you persisted and didn't just let him get away with it. That is really, really important. For any listeners out there, please remember that I do have a website as well, which is Ethics and Equine, and on there you can listen to different podcast episodes from me, you can view my blog, you can view information about me, you can view information about all of my guests, and so much more, so be sure to check it out. So when you want to do groundwork... You should start with basic groundwork, like lead exercises and touch exercises, yeah. um, yielding to physical aids, yielding to driving aids, and yeah. circle work, stuff like that. So, I mean, what I would always start with is very simple things that you can do in the stable, like lowering your horse's head. Yeah. Um, okay. And when the horse's head is below the level of their withers, their the adrenaline in your horse's body drops. So oh, yeah, okay. that's really handy. It's really handy for all situations. Um, so head lowering is a really good one. Um, obviously park, you know, a lot of horses don't know how to park and the amount of horses that I see people like struggling to get on them and they won't stand by the mounting block, you know, park is really important and not only is park it's good for your horse to learn, but it's actually dangerous to get on a horse if it doesn't know how to park. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I have had mounting accidents in years gone by. You know, oh, yes. I've fallen off as I was getting on. Right, yep, I have <laughs> done the same. That is terrible. And, um, you know, that's because the horses involved, you know, I thought, oh, I'll just get on them, and they hadn't 
been taught to park and now I would not get on a horse that did not stand to get on. This miss, the horse has missed some basic training and if they've missed that basic training then goodness knows what other basic training they might have missed. Yeah. So, you know, park is really important. Um, I would then go for whip habituation. So, you know, we like to, whether it's with a whip or a carrot stick, um, I like to stroke them all over with it so that they know that a whip or whatever you're using as an extension of your arm is not something to be feared. And you should be able to touch them all over, you know, down their legs, obviously not their head, but down their legs, down their, down their back, um, on both sides of them. And so that's a really important groundwork exercise. Um, I think after that, I would go to back. So see if you can move your horse away from you. Okay. So before you do forward, you need to do back so that you can delete any forward movement that you don't ask for. No, that, that makes sense. Actually. <laughs> I've never thought of going back before you go forwards, but yeah. Yeah, because, um, you know, obviously some horses can rush forward or push into your personal space and you need to for them to know how to go back to get them out of your space or delete any wrong step that might have occurred. Okay so would you say that when you're basically training the horse to as you said to park that is also a good way to establish authority and to continue your horse seeing you as the leader and to stop when you stop and Yes, I would say that is important and it's a really good place to start and you know that along with park and back comes respect of your personal space and um, you know horses need to learn this early but a lot of horses don't and you know within the breaking in process and I know because I have broken in and produced horses and I've done it quickly like a lot of producers have and the reason a lot of people produce horses is financial reasons to yeah. sell them and make money and you know that is not conducive to doing it slowly and well so having done it fast for financial reasons I know the, the you know the problems you can fall into and when these steps are not taken properly and slowly it can lead to problems later on so you know a lot of horses Older horses still don't understand personal space. Um, horses are big and they can crush you. Yes. And run you over. I <laughs> As agree. we know, we've both been crushed and run over oh, many, many times. times. Yeah. And um, you know, this is a really important part of your groundwork. That, and it's the start of the horse understanding that you are the leader. That they cannot push into your personal space. So, yeah, they, it's a really, really important part of, of your groundwork. Yeah, and I've gotten on horses before that didn't, again, didn't know how to stand still and I've had to do it really fast and I felt like I was hurting them because I've had, just had to kind of get on and go yeah. instead of slowly get on, make sure I'm in the right place, make sure I'm yeah. kind of balanced in both yeah. ways. So you just get on really fast, kind of lump down and just go because you don't know when the horse is going to shoot off. I know, and it's just so wrong on, on every every level. And and that's when training has gone wrong. And somebody, and I, you know, there are a lot of people that just throw somebody up onto a horse or jump on it as it's running along. And that is not a way to train a horse. That's not safe. It's incorrect. It's not teaching the horse correctly. Um, 
and that happens a lot and it happens a lot all over the place so you know you've got to start at the beginning with training and starting at the beginning includes you know parking personal space and getting a horse calm enough and quiet enough to understand this and getting on a moving running horse is not a calm way to start no it doesn't sound like a very chilled not calm no no it doesn't sound like something i'd want to do for my own safety i certainly not want to do it anymore so i you know (laughs) in the past i have you know had as you have had to mount a horse that's not standing still and moving i would not do it i just would not do that anymore you know it's it's not a good way to start no absolutely (laughs) not so another one is leading um, making sure that your horse is focused on you, making sure they're not distracted, because horses have very short attention spans. Yeah. So would you agree that it's important for your horse to be focused on you when you're leading it, to stay next to you instead of in front of you or far behind you, and yeah. to stop when you stop and that sort of thing? Yes, that's right. And I think you know that leads on from personal space. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but I know that I have led many horses that have pushed me oh, and pushed me with their shoulders and um, pulled and pushed and ran off and you know there we go that's basic training that has either never been done or has been accidentally undone yeah um but it's never too late for your horse to learn um and sometimes it's difficult because some horses have spent many years running people over and (laughs) you know um, not giving someone personal space and pushing us with their shoulders but it's never too late and it's making these things into very small bite-sized chunks that your horse can understand but you have to be consistent with their training otherwise as I say you're undoing you can undo something or you know if you have many people handling the same horse you must have a plan to be consistent with everyone otherwise it's you know one step forward two steps back yeah like we well i've come into contact with a horse that loves to just rub his head all the time oh, and it's so difficult because sometimes we're like oh it's so cute he's rubbing on me and other times it just bowls me over and it's not cute and that's the first and that's the first step you know just pushing you with his head or touching you with his nose or whatever in that in that way is the first step for you for you not to be the leader so you know if a horse are out in the field the, and, a, and some horse lower down the pecking order comes and rubs its head against the lead horse the lead horse is going to well it's, it's not going to do that anyway yeah and because it has respect for the lead horse and the lead horse is going to be really annoyed if it tried to do that yeah get off. Um, <laughs> yeah so you know all these little tiny things are making you not the leader if you're allowing your horse to come into your personal space and push you you're in effect saying oh actually i'm not the leader anymore you know so all these little things are important and it's not like you don't love your horse if you don't let it push you um you will have a better bond with your horse if you set the boundaries yeah. And your horse will love you for, for those boundaries. Yeah, they'll feel safer and more confident That's knowing right. that they can rely on you to be in to charge. To be the leader. Yeah, yeah they're like not, children. <laughs> yeah, that's like having a child and allowing them to just 
steal small things when they're young and expecting them not to rob a bank when they're older. Because <laughs> it's just, just step by step going to lead Even there. the little things, you know, the little tiny things that you might not notice as a, as a horse owner. Are your horse thinking, oh, can I do this? Oh, am I, are they still the leader? I can, you know, oh, it seems like I can just pull my head down and eat some grass, you know, and and then that leads on to the horse really becoming the leader and then it goes Bargy right. and bolshy and quite dangerous, right. difficult That's to right. handle. Yeah. Because they are big animals and we are not big in comparison. No, and, you know, we have to be clever about handling them because you will never you know out pull a horse you will oh, never no. you know be able to do that so yeah yes even the small ones they just <laughs> they're even worse sometimes yeah oh my gosh and i think you know when it comes to small horses like shetlands or you know small ponies i think they probably have less training than a big horse because people think oh it's a small horse don't have to train it you know it's going to be fine and and it's not that a small horse is more naughty it's that they haven't been trained or yeah. you know the communication you know that you haven't communicated with them in the way you should because you think they're small and oh well it doesn't matter yeah um, but they they need training just like a big horse yes i've had small horses run away from me when I'm holding them multiple times. And I, <laughs> first I was like, no, I'm going to hold on. And it just, there's no point. Because they always outrun and outpull anyway. So now I'm like, oh, all right, bye. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really important. It's really important, you know, even with the little horses, that they are correctly, correctly trained. Yes, <laughs> I agree from personal experience. Um, so training your horse to flex and soften to pressure, what? What is that to you, would you say? Um, I mean, a, a lot of people, to soften to pressure, to move away from pressure, I say, is something that I would think about. Um, for instance, when you're riding, you put your leg on, you want your horse to move forward, and that's moving away from pressure. Yeah. Um, when you're doing lateral work and you put one leg on, you want your horse to move away from pressure. So, you know, that to me is moving away from pressure. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's just what you want your horse to do. Yeah, and it's all just training. Yeah, getting your horse used to the aids that you're giving But it. But to be honest, it's surprising how many horses have, as I say, missed out this basic training. And you can tell very easily, I mean, before I get on any horse, I do a few minutes groundwork. So I know how that horse um, the horse's understanding to woe and the horse's understanding to go. And, you know, you can tell immediately if the horse ha um, has had um, incorrect training or not complete training by just a couple of minutes on the floor. Yeah. And you can tell whether, you know, you're going to use your brain and he's going to pull against your hand. You can tell that from the floor immediately or whether the go aid isn't there. Um, and that's really handy to know before you get on. A, a strange horse that you don't know whether the woe and the go aid is there at all because yeah sometimes it isn't yeah i agree it's it's quite frustrating when you get on a horse and you expect it to move and then it doesn't and you don't know how to react to that or deal with it because you haven't and, and the horse just has a lack or, of understanding you yeah. know and and when we're doing groundwork we can train obviously train in the basic aids but we can also then train in lightness lightness to the aids so, you know, a horse that is slow off the go aid, you can train it to be 
lighter off the go aid from the floor and same with the woe aid you know and that's even just the basic aids we're not even getting into sideways yet so yeah essential yeah okay so um working your horse on a circle lunging them stuff like that apparently in the wild if a horse is doing something that the elf horse doesn't like Mm -hmm. they'll get them to move their feet and that's a way of them establishing their authority and saying i don't like what you're doing so is that kind of what we're doing when we're lunging is that same sort of thing? Um, kind of and there's many different ways of lunging um, and it's kind of what we're doing and you might see a lot of people use round pens that is another way of move, moving the horse's feet and you know some of the natural horsemanship techniques are to do with moving the horse's feet um, so yeah it, in some ways it is um, some techniques are more about that than others Okay. And, you know, we have different kinds of lunging. Um, we have the BHS-style lunging, which is to do with making your horse in a shape, using a gadget. Um, and you have a more natural type of um, lunging, which tries to encourage a horse to have self-carriage, um, not tying their head down. So, yeah. you know, that's lunging, but you have, you know being free in a round pen and moving the horse's feet that way. So there's lots of different ways to train horse. Yeah. So one of the like most important reasons for groundwork, would you say, is to just teach your horse to respect your personal bubble? Is that one of the main um, things? It, obviously, that is important. That is very important. And if that's all you use groundwork for, then great. Um, but as I say, there's lots of, lots of reasons for groundwork and it can take you in many different directions and they're mostly, you know, it's to do with training and understanding. Yeah, okay. So, um, Pirelli's seven natural horsemanship games, which are friendly game, porcupine game, driving game, yo-yo game, circling game, sideways game and squeeze game. Those all sound like very strange things that have nothing to do with horses but I'm assuming that they do and that they do have stuff to do with groundwork and horsemanship because it kept coming up in my research okay so I'm not a Pirelli expert um I have I once sold a Pirelli horse um and I had to learn a bit of the language um for to in order to have handle this horse at all and in fact weirdly enough it's how I started on this road to um, a more ethical understanding and communication with horses was by selling that Pirelli horse because I, I you know I had the horse in sell and I couldn't lead it I couldn't lead it I couldn't ride it I didn't know I just didn't know I didn't have the language at all um, to understand to, to communicate and understand with the, with this horse. And um, I had to get a Pirelli expert in to even show me how to lead this horse. And it kept doing like really strange things like shuffling sideways and over jumps and stuff. And I, I was obviously asking it to do stuff that I just did not understand. Um, and as I say, I'm not a Pirelli expert, but um, you know, Pirelli is another way of communicating with the horse and these games, are you know uh, sort of in my understanding are a way to communicate with the horse how they might communicate with each other in the wild okay um 
And I've got to say, I learned a lot from that Pirelli horse that I had to sell. And I learned a, quite a lot about how to direct my energy, riding and on the floor. So I'd say great. Amazing. I'm not an expert, but I'd say, you know, great. Anything, anything that has to do with understanding, understanding a horse in an energetic way is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it would be a good thing to connect with your horse and play games that they'd play in the wild because it's a way yeah. that they'd understand what you're asking for yeah. and that a makes sense. great way to communicate, you know, and when eventually I learned to communicate with this um, Pirelli horse that I sold, I was like, wow, I'm talking its language and, and the horse looked so relieved. You know, it was like, oh, you get me. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It must be so nice to have started off knowing nothing about this horse and then being like, oh, I actually know more now and I can speak your language and you yeah. are doing what I want you to do it was instead just fascinating. of fascinating. It was a fascinating journey actually. So yeah, I'd really Yeah. Go for that. So to finish off with, this podcast, as you know, is called Ethics in Equine and is all about what the name states, ethics in the equine world. So kind of in your own words, would you describe the ethical benefits of groundwork as being what people should be doing would you highly recommend it what are your opinions um yeah so i would say um it's really you know the way things are now we're, we're moving into a more ethical way of life yeah um we can't go on with a lot of the traditional methods that are maybe not so ethical um and as a horse owner and a trainer we should all be striving to understand horses in a much more ethical way. Um, we all need to do that. So yeah, I think it's really, really important. And I think that anyone that cares about their horse will start to think along more ethical lines of training. They have to. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And everything we've spoken about makes perfect sense. And it's weird to me that it's not more of a known thing and that people aren't doing it more. I think the times are changing and they're changing for the better. And people yeah. are beginning to understand that, you know, horses don't think like us. They don't think like humans. Their brains don't work the same. They're not being naughty. I mean, a horse is just never naughty. They're just misunderstood or in pain. Uh, that's just it, you know. Horses aren't naughty. They, they they don't know how to be naughty. A horse, a horse cannot be naughty. So, um, you know, times are changing and that's great. And we all need to understand why our horses be behave in certain ways and try to understand what they're trying to tell us. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it all makes perfect sense. And thank you very much. That was amazing and exactly what we needed on this podcast thank so you. thank, thank you, you for being here that's it for today's episode of ethics and equine thank you so much for joining me and i really hope that you'll join me again next time we've got another incredible guest coming in to speak to us and it's so important that we all think more ethically and challenge ourselves to be more ethical around our horses so i really hope that you tune in next time and yeah see you then cheers bye